This is a Clark University podcast. So for example, you know, a typical moral dilemma, there is a train coming down the tracks and there are five people who are about to be killed and you can pull a lever and divert the train and it'll only kill one person. Do you pull the lever and take an active involvement in killing a person or do you let the train take its course and kill the five people? You ask ChatGPT that and it's not gonna respond because it's right now limited to things that are very clear and programmed into it. But let's say for example, your self-driving car in the future has the same kind of dilemma. That is a child runs in front of your car and you have to swerve into oncoming traffic. Should your car be programmed to save you or the child. And that's a moral ethical dilemma that's going to be very real in the way that artificial intelligence is programmed. Choices are going to have to be made. Rabbi Joshua Franklin is considering this classic moral dilemma not long after exploring ethics with his congregation. Rabbi Franklin graduated from Clark University with a bachelor's degree in history in 2006 and earned his master's in the same subject the following year. Today, he's a rabbi at the Jewish Center of the Hamptons in New York, and he's gone a bit viral for using the increasingly popular artificial intelligence tool ChatGPT for a quirky but poignant experiment with his congregation. He asked ChatGPT to write his sermon. My brother had been sending me some TikTok videos about uh, how amazing this new technology of ChatGPT is and what it could do. And of course, it piqued my curiosity. So when I went on and experimented with ChatGPT, of course, one of the first things that I tried was how it might relate to some of the normal tasks that I do as a rabbi. And one of them, of course, is writing a sermon. And, you know, it could write a sermon, if you tell it, write a sermon for me about some topic, it can do a menial job, but the more information you give it and the more cues and prompts that you give it, it really is able to write a pretty cohesive, well-rounded, decent sermon. So I told ChatGPT to write me a sermon of about a thousand words based on the weekly Torah portion, the part of the Torah that's read in the in synagogues that week, on the idea of vulnerability. And on top of that, quote Brene Brown. And Brene Brown has written extensively on the idea of vulnerability, so I you know, thought maybe it can generate some great content from her. And it did. It really wove in information, quotes, uh, research from Brene Brown, and it synthesized the idea of vulnerability with the Torah portion really effectively. Intimacy is a vital component of healthy, fulfilling relationships and is something that we must actively cultivate in order to experience true connection and closeness with others around us. It requires that we let go of our ego, to be willing to be vulnerable, and to take the risk of being rejected. It requires us to trust others and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable in their presence. In terms of creativity, it was a big success. That is generating and synthesizing information in order to form a coherent piece in the style of what I asked it to write in. That it was really effective at doing. It got me thinking, how can I possibly share this with the community in a way that's actually, one, not plagiarism, 
and uh, two, that will be intriguing and helpful for them. I got the idea to really just plagiarize the sermon, I should say plagiarize with quotes, and tell them that I was about to plagiarize the sermon and have them guess where the content that uh, they are hearing came from. And let us embrace the power of vulnerability in our lives. May we be blessed with the courage and strength to be open and vulnerable. Beautiful words. Who wrote them? No. It cannot be. Linda, I did not write them. She did not write them either. My father did not write them. Larry Hoffman. Larry Hoffman did not write them. The answer is going to be surprising. Artificial intelligence. Oh. The sermon was really the, the full scope of, one, the plagiarized piece, as well as the discussion about the implications of what ChatGPT means for rabbis and the world around us and technology and empathy and all those things which we normally rely on human interaction for. Though ChatGPT strung together a sermon with meaningful themes and quotations, there was something noticeably missing from the prose. It felt weird because the words were a little chewy in my mouth because they weren't my own words, of course. Uh, but they thought, my synagogue thought, that uh, this was sourced from some famous rabbis, you know, the, the people who they guessed when they asked them, who do you think wrote this? One of them was Rabbi Larry Hoffman, who's a very notable rabbi, uh, a mentor of mine as well. Another one was uh, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who's the former chief rabbi of England, uh, another amazing figure. So they thought that this was solid, authentic, real, uh, meaningful material. They didn't pick up on that it was synthesized by ChatGPT until I told them, and their response was pretty um, taken back. I think this was, for many or for most, their first exposure to artificial intelligence and the power of it. I think, for the most part, we've all been imagining artificial intelligence as a product of the future, but we're realizing that it's very much a product of the present. And I like to think, and maybe I'm right, that uh, chat GPT and artificial intelligence lacks a particular human quality that I'll call a soul. And something that you just know feels human. It feels like it's a part of what it means to be a human. One of the amazing things about chat GPT is that it can understand and even identify correctly human emotion, perhaps even better than human beings can. But what it lacks is the ability to feel those same human emotions. And that's empathy. Empathy is where we uh, recognize what someone's going through and we connect with them through our own personal feelings and experience. And while ChatGPT can recognize those things, it can't feel it itself. And that lacks the human connection and the human bond that we might form with another individual. So where humans develop empathy, I would say ChatGPT develops this kind of perhaps pseudo empathy, and it's not the real thing. And I think as humans, we want the real thing in that particular way. And I think that's one of the lacking 
things about artificial intelligence. It will never be able to do that. Rabbi Franklin noticed that ChatGPT picked up on some habits he likes to keep out of his sermon writing process. Each one of us has our own voice. Eventually, I think ChatGPT will be able to learn my style. Maybe it can already do that. And I can say, write a sermon in the style of, and I give it 10 particular things that I've written, and it'll be able to mimic my style. But some of the things that it picked up, I said, write in the voice of a rabbi, it picked up uh, this, this rhetoric of addressing the congregation as friends. This morning, I want to talk about such and such subject, which is probably one of the least engaging ways to address a community because you need a hook. You need to, maybe it's a joke, maybe it's a story. Maybe it's something shocking off the bat. ChatGPT sounded pretty old world in the way that it was addressing a crowd, and it wouldn't have hooked people in terms of uh, spoken oration uh, in the way that my style or many other people's styles would have. Another thing which it did, and a lot of rabbis, priests, ministers, they end with a prayer. They take their message and they say, May it be your will, O God, that such and such and such. And ChatGPT picked up on that. Something I wouldn't do, but I do know it's something that a lot of other preachers do. You know, one of the interesting things is that were I to have written the same sermon on the same subject, on the same Torah portion, I would have written something that was drastically different. And one thing that ChatGPT didn't get was the relationship between intimacy, vulnerability, and divine encounter. And by that, I mean, I think when we have meaningful relationships and connections with other people, be it in a one-on-one relationship, a face-to-face encounter, or be it in a communal encounter, we're really able to experience some kind of divine spark in that particular moment. This is an idea from uh, Martin Buber, a philosopher of the 20th century, the idea that we form I-thou relationships with other people. Typically, we form transactional relationships with others. You go see the clerk at the register and you purchase something and he gives you your change and that's transactional. You don't use him for any other purpose other than his job. But I think we've all had these kind of encounters with other people where it sparks a meaningful moment between two individuals. And he says in those relationships, in those encounters, we find an I-thou relationship. Through the connection with another individual, we're able to find a connection with God. That would be where I would have gone in terms of talking about the importance of vulnerability and intimacy. And perhaps it's because artificial intelligence can't understand that, or perhaps it's because I didn't cue it with saying, relate this to Martin Buber's philosophy of the I-thou relationship. My sermons are extemporaneous, and that really does give me the ability to look out and see who is there, and also really bring in the experiences sometimes of of the congregants into the sermon. This past week, I spoke about crisis as a birthing for opportunity, and looking out into the community, I saw one person who was struggling and in the pro- with cancer and in the process of getting chemotherapy and radiation. And I saw another person who just had a grandchild who was born with major birth defects. And, you know, looking around the room, people who have gone through major trauma in their lives. And it allowed me to look at them and connect with them. For me to talk personally about going through crises in my life, 
and put that on the forefront. Those human qualities of connecting with others and giving a piece of myself that's authentic, that's what made the sermon what it was, more so than whatever content I could have given. One of the things that is a limit for ChatGPT is the ability to solve ethical and moral dilemmas. And that is you have two competing values that are at odds with each other. And you ask ChatGPT, you know, what do you think? And ChatGPT won't give you an answer. Human values are beyond the purview of ChatGPT. I think eventually it's gonna happen that ChatGPT will have to weigh in on ethics and on morality in a way that's going to be uncomfortable and is going to be determined by whichever individuals have the power to program it. For Rabbi Franklin, discovering the power of empathy and vulnerability was a process that took time and development. I think that artificial intelligence is going to cause humanity to need to evolve and do the things that it can do that chat GPT or artificial intelligence can't do better. One of them is empathy. Another is developing relationships. I don't think I really understood that I needed to be vulnerable. I grew up always thinking that uh, it was best for people to never express emotion and to bottle it up. And, you know, emo showing emotion was a sign of weakness. Eventually, through life experience, I, I did come to the conclusion that vulnerability is a major strength that we have. And that showing empathy to other people is so much more important than any other measure. Rabbi Franklin says he'll use ChatGPT again, but for research and finding new information, not sourcing his sermons. To learn more about history at Clark, visit clarku.edu history. Challenge Change is produced by Andrew Hart and Melissa Hansen for Clark University. Find other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three. Clark! <laughs>